With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Oh, what's going on, everybody? Welcome to episode 426 of Flow Wrestling Radio Live. I'm your host, Christian Piles, and I am joined today by these two fine fellers. To my left, Daniel Roy Lobdell Jr., the wrestling nomad. Hello. Hello, Daniel. And to my right, David Dylan Duncan Bray. Hey, thanks. Hey, well, welcome. Okay. Now, before we get into the wrestling... We have a weather crisis on our hands. <laughs> HR is sending out emails telling us to stay home if yeah. we if we don't feel safe um, and work virtually if necessary. It's virtually uh, like working. <laughs> virtual work. Um, David, let's let's go to you quick for a weather update. Well, um, you know, I spent the last several years uh, in well, my whole life either in Wyoming or Northwest Iowa or Colorado and. I've never seen anything quite like it here. <laughs> we had, we had two, two hour delays. We had two, yeah, two hour delays for school. I mean, I, to be fair, I did go out uh, this morning and there was a thin layer of ice on my windshield, but the roads were completely dry. Dry. Uh, there was no evidence that it had actually rained the night no. before. It could, yeah. For all I know, it could have been a neighbor playing a prank and pouring a bucket of water on my windshield. It yeah. very much rained where I was, but it was not cold enough to freeze. It was just like that annoyingly cold rain that just makes life miserable. Yeah. But in no way was it a weather crisis that should pre- prevent people from going to work. It's funny. I mean, we're, we're listened to heavily in the Northeast and the Midwest. <laughs> yeah. uh, you guys would get a kick out of people's reaction to yeah. inclement weather around here. It's it's really funny. And I think lit- my drive-in was never easier because yes. I think a lot of people literally were like, I'm just going to wait this out. Yeah. I'm going to come in a little later. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's like how everybody's talking about it. Like, it's a it's a, a public safety issue, and so yeah, the commute was was beautiful. I will say it. I'm gonna say it on air. I will think less of anyone that comes to work late as a result of this. Wow. And I won't apologize for it. Wow. So, another big weekend wrestling. We're gonna say that probably every Tuesday. Mm-hmm. Um, Nomads, Zahid Valencia prediction was pretty close to right, except he had <laughs> a crazy one. 
against Taylor Vins, who took yeah. him down three times. See, he uh, Vins won the takedown battle. Yes, it was three to two. Yeah, which f- number one, you know, Zahid's supposedly focused on freestyle right now, so that's a little concerning about his prospects for 86 kilos. Number two, Vens, a former All-American, you know, 2018, a guy who was on the podium last year, now all of a sudden looks like right in the mix once again to be at or near the top of 184. When, and the thing, too, was, you know, a lot of times you see these upsets and maybe it comes down to one position or, you know, a big move, guy gets back points, and then, yeah. and then he knocks a guy off. This was not that match, right? Vens got a takedown in the first, you know, in the opening seconds, and he nearly scored in the closing seconds. I mean, it was like action entire seven minutes, and Vens looked good the whole time. So he had enough to hold on, but Vens looked really good. Yeah, and to me, it's like, well, what, what, moving forward, what what does it mean that that Taylor Vens gave him a match? Does it mean Vens is on the level and he's going to challenge the heat, or is it a little bit of, we've seen a couple different Zahids in his collegiate career. We've seen the rec hall uh, mark match and the Daniel Lewis where he just didn't look like fully himself. And then the NCAA one, which is like freaks us all out. And we're yeah. like, oh my gosh, no one will ever beat this guy. And I think, I think I look at it like that, that it's just, while I want to give Vin's credit for, for wrestling him really tough, I feel like come March with and Zahid knowing, okay, this guy's got the goods. It's a few adjustments and it's, you know, two of, of Vince's takedowns, I believe, were on counters. The first one, the pancake, was beautiful, and mm-hmm. I think the second one as well was a counter. So I think for that reason, um, I, I don't think that's really sustainable against Zahid, who is just he's so good with his leg attacks. Well, something I go back to something that you frequently say when we're making predictions or doing picks, which is you take the theoretical best version of that guy. And yeah. the theoretical best version of Zahid and the theoretical best version of Vins, you're still taking Vins. But Zahid, or excuse me, you're still taking Zahid. That might have been a very terrible Freudian slip. Um, wow, maybe he really. Yeah, right. That, you're still taking Zahid, but uh, Zahid is coming up in weight, and you know, so there's a little adjustment there. Also, we talked about you know with like Chad Red and Isaiah White and just kind of Nebraska's performance at Journeyman last year. Okay. Uh, Manning and Snyder were at the World Championships much later last year. Mm-hmm. They were focusing on James Green and Jordan Burroughs into October last year. This year was only September. So theoretically, Nebraska got a much better preseason in. This all comes back to the UW schedule, yes. as we always thought. And so I think that was part of it, that that you know those guys who maybe weren't, weren't ready to go week one or week two last year, all of a sudden they look ready to go right away. So that was a near upset. Would have been would have been a shocker. Um, and I think the the Hodge race is still Zahid and and Gross. Gross had his kind of he had a close match as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I'm wondering, man, this this 57. I am fascinated. We're gonna get to Farrell here real soon because it is it continues to get more and more insane. Yeah. Right. But Seth Gross had a close one against Span of of Edinburgh. Um, and that Buffalo, Buffalo. Buffalo, yeah. And that one you look at way differently than Zahid, right? Because you have Taylor fans, an All-American, a blue chip, a guy who everyone feels is on the level, versus Span, a guy who kind of just now breaking into the rankings mm-hmm. later in his career. That you, that is a much different, uh, like, two top guys being tested. Yeah. Well, and I mean, the, the thing that I think is interesting for a lot of these guys that are that are deciding not to 
go for the Olympic red shirt, but that are trying to do both, right? The template was Kyle Snyder, mm-hmm. who who did it at heavyweight, not cutting any weight, who right. was already a world champion before that Olympic year, and who just, you know, can, especially at that time in his career, could do things that not a lot of people could do in terms of like wrestle in Siberia and then come back and wrestle in a duel the same week, right? Yeah. So, um, yeah, and somebody like Gross, who is like, cutting a ton of weight, right? He's wrestling like a full seven, eight pounds lower in freestyle than he is in folk style. It's, you know, it does seem like it's maybe taking a toll, the training training both styles part mm-hmm. for some of these guys. So um, I don't know if we want to continue with Journeyman. We were talking about that. Tate Orndorff <laughs> knocks off Tanner Hall and Jordan Wood in the same week at number three and four. I found out, <laughs> if you watch the Ohio State duel, I, I was so, and we'll get to Ohio State, I was so tunnel vision focused on that duel and just wor- <laughs> literally working the whole day. The guy on there is like, I don't know, we're just, it was the Traub uh, showing me match. So there was plenty of time for dialogue. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's like, yeah, Tate Orndorff beat two and three. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, wait, I'm like, what? <laughs> what, what happened? <laughs> so he's like explaining to me what happened. I felt like sort of stupid. You but. literally could hear it in your voice. Yeah. Like there was no, you did not play that off well at all. Like, oh yeah, of course I knew that. Like, no, I, I had no idea. Well, yeah, happened. I said I didn't know. <laughs> I yeah. said, you know, I just, yeah, I had no idea. So, uh, Orndorff taking out, you know, watching the Hall match, that that is going to be a problem for Tanner Hall next time. Like, yeah. I watched it. Now, I know I know Vin's lost and Zahid won. But, like, I watched that match, and I'm like, I don't know if he's going to be able to do that again to him. But I'm watching Orndorff versus Hall. I'm like, he'll be able to do that to him again, right? Yeah. He's going to get to his over-under body lock, and Tanner Hall was, had no answers. He couldn't clear out. He was going backwards. He probably could have been hit for stalling more times. He was not getting to legs. Orndorff was getting to legs consistently. I, I was thoroughly impressed with with Orndorff in that yeah, match. Yeah, I, I maybe haven't watched as much Orndorff as I as I should have, but um, I was impressed. Talk to me about that. Yeah, we were. Yeah, get, get on the Orndorff deep dive. I know. Um, so we were, you know, we were watching that match this morning, and and it was impressive to see not only that over under which. You expect from a Greco guy, right? A guy with that yeah. with Orndorff's background, but his ability to then create the angle and get to that high single, man, he was threatening Hall and Jordan Wood from both those positions. And if he can do that all year and, and create that kind of motion in those angles like he was in those matches this weekend, he's gonna be a serious threat at this weight. And Orndorf last so looking at his last year, outside of a kind of a bad beginning to February where he lost to <clears throat> Gannon Gremmel and Brandon Metz. Basically, all his other losses were to All-Americans, right? Hamida, mm-hmm. Kassar, Gable, Derek White. Um, A.J. Nevels was kind of the only one who wasn't All-American. So the losses were, for the most part, good and explainable. And now, all of a sudden, he's beaten three and four. He's wrestling in the Feral this weekend. Yeah. So, you know, Orndorff, I think, may have jumped a level. He was also he's on U23, so he's wrestling a lot. Yeah. And I think he might have might have crept up a level yeah I, th- I think it's pretty clear he has for and now he's gonna be number three in the country and how do we really view heavyweight now uh wh- because do we what view him as the number three guy do you think someone for me someone like cassiope i could see a mason paris jumping into that i feel like that second tier behind kassar and gable and i don't know the status of gable you guys are asking i don't know i don't know when he'll be back if he'll be back this year um, we'll find out together, I suppose, there. So you think about a Hilger, a Paris, uh, maybe even a Stencil. I think all those guys, along with Cassiope, are in that second-tier group. And someone that, if Gable's not in the mix, 
we're talking about potential finalists. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. I think heading into this weekend, I would have I would have probably put a little separation in my mind between Wood Hall and then the guys below that. Um, but after this weekend, seeing what Orndorff did, that's the question for me: is like, is it Orndorff is now number three and he's solidly number three, or is it Wood and Hall are or more vulnerable vulnerable at that tier than maybe we thought, and or, or some of both? I I don't know, but yeah, heavyweight's going to be a lot more compelling. I feel like after that result, it's just a weird weight. Um, like first of all, again the Gable stuff. Second of all, no Kirkfleet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay, so count him out for this year. You know, Elam was a guy who was preseason number eight. He's redshirting this year. Uh, we also had a result this weekend, Demetrius Thomas over Hino. Jerry Hino. Do you know, do you know it was Hino? Nope. Mm-hmm. I just learned it was Hino. Do we have to change? Do we have to say it that way now? I think we have to. Hmm. Uh, That's going to be tough. Christian Lance beat David Jensen, yeah. so maybe he is now Nebraska's Nebraska anyway. Starter, Jensen's right? like 11 or 12. Uh, okay. We didn't see we didn't see Singletary. We got Gary Traub. So heavyweight is a mess right now. Yeah, get the cleaning crew in there, and I don't know what to make of it. I I man, I'm kind of bummed. I mean, well, it's one or two things, right? We could have seen Kassar Paris this week, or we're gonna see Kassar Gable. So I'm happier to see that. But I really I want to see where Mason is, right? I mean, he's looked so good. Beat Stencil, um, who was kind of a nemesis for him last year. He just. Mm-hmm. Um, you're looking for a guy with the skills to jump levels and in the right program i i'm just excited for him i think he's got got a really different style for for heavyweight um almost a little i don't think he's quite got the athleticism of a kassar but he's he's super super athletic and this weekend we'll get to we'll get our first look at cassiope i guess Mm -hmm. we saw him pin his teammate in a not wrestle off wrestle off but yeah i i don't really know what to make of heavyweight hilger hilger has looked solid so far um you know, he had like 1-0 with Birchmeyer, but basically hasn't been really tested. So, and, and someone talked about with a lot of weights where uh, the the tiering, it seems like there's some good guys at the top and then a big a big jumble between, you know, 10 and 25 of mm-hmm. guys who can establish themselves, whereas we thought there was a tier at heavyweight, and now it's completely flipped on its head. Yeah, by one Tate Orndorff. And you got to met man, if you're Utah Valley, you got Taylor Lamont sitting there. Yeah. Man, it'd be, and you look at 133. Romero. Well, I'm just saying, but Lamont's yeah, not yeah. wrestling. Sure, I'm saying, sure. think about what the team could do this year. Yeah. I guess uh, some of these guys will be back, but for Utah Valley, the job Coach Williams has been doing there, we've been talking about it for a while, but this is it could really come to a head this year. But when you have a guy like Lamont on the taking an Olympic redshirt, that makes it tough. Because I, I think, man. He's in there with those guys at 133, right? The, I mean, number two, DeSanto, three, RBY, Philippi. He's he's in those matches with those guys, I believe. And, right? and a thing that favors Orndorff is, you know, we see this a lot, where a guy gets ranked early and then ha- has a schedule that kind of favors him the rest of the way. He's the heavy favorite in the Big 12, and especially uh, is, is Fresno – Redshirting AJ Nevels. I don't know what they're doing. I'm very curious about yeah. that. And then does that also mean Hokit could come up? Does he have a redshirt to give? Yes, he does. Oh, I did not realize that. Yeah. So if you take Nevels out and Hokit doesn't come up, yeah, that makes a very clean path to a Big 12 title for yeah. now. Remember, Orndorff. Utah Valley's going to CKLV. Will that not be very difficult? Yeah, that will be. Yeah. But I'm saying. 
Okay. He, they're dueling Wisconsin, too. So, so that'll be a huge opportunity for him. That'll be a huge opportunity for both him and Hilger. Two weeks. Yeah, I mean, the, the kind of the question of Lamont going this year or not, uh, the one guy Utah Valley I think will lose this year is Romero mm-hmm. uh, at 165. So if you wanted a, you know, if you wanted a kind of full-strength team, this would be the year to do it. They'll mm-hmm. still have Finley back next year. He's a junior. Mm-hmm. But he didn't go this weekend at, at Journeyman. So, you know, and he had health issues last year, so you wonder about that. But, yeah, um, yeah, this would be the year if you wanted to get kind of, you know, your, your best Utah Valley lineup, this would be the year to go with Lamont. Uh, Dom Demas takes care of business, does, I mean, his, if you haven't seen it yet, check out his match against Chad Red. He's just, he's just unbelievable. I mean, there's just, it, and we've, we've talked about it with Dom, there's not a track record for guys that just throwing people on their back and pinning them is like your, your go-to stuff, but he is just so special at it. He does it consistently against really good guys. So he beats Chad Red. Uh, he wrestled Aragona. Or no, Red, 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 Red wrestled Aragona. That was a good match. Uh, Chad took care of business there. So, Did you uh, notice the difference in size of Demas and Red? Demas's legs looked yeah. enormous compared. I thought he looked so much bigger than Chad Red. Thick bass. And I always thought that <clears throat> that Red was a, maybe a guy who was having trouble cutting weight last year. So that makes me wonder how much Demas is pulling or if Demas just – looks enormous but isn't has hollow bones like Ryan Deacon. I mean if you had him stand up straight next to each other, I think that might be a little different too, yeah. right? Like his he carries his weight like different. He's a lot longer and leaner. Um mm-hmm. Demas is like a little fire hydrant. <laughs> yeah. So go ahead. Your Tuesday headline my Tuesday headline did not come correct uh because of Vens, but I did like that we saw Zahid trying to pin people. I yeah. was very excited to see that. Your Tuesday headline was much ballsier. Yeah, why not? <laughs> I'm just going to go crazy on them every single yeah. week. And then no one's ever going to like, oh, okay, wow, you said, eh, you try to be. But when it, if it hits, finally. It's great. going to pull this clip. It's going to yeah. be my viral moment. And I think with, with Aragona. Because I said Aragona would be <laughs> number two. two in the country. <laughs> and I think what we saw with Aragona is – so far, he has been kind of as I expected, which is a guy who's come in re- ready to compete right away and is a very, very good freshman, maybe not necessarily a national title contender, unless uh, either he makes some jumps, which we have seen, right? You know, Mark mm-hmm. Hall loses to, to Meyer. Miles Martin comes out as like the 10 or 11 seed as a freshman, so we've seen that happen, mm-hmm. or things are going to need to break his way. But JoJo is clearly at a certain level. Just look, he, he, he got ridden for, you know, three and a half minutes or so. And that's something that a lot of true freshmen struggle he had, with. Which he is had bottom. red in a single leg, not just in a single leg, but red over the top. Mm-hmm. And I felt like he could have. He was a little like just trying to figure out the position, and he wasn't assertive enough, and they stalemated it um, before he could really give a good effort on a finish. It, but that was it was good for him to get in that deep. It wasn't a feet issue. I mean, no. Red got one takedown, and it was a little craftier there. It was maybe a step faster, but otherwise, they were, even on the feet, it was the, it was the mat. Mm-hmm. I think Red's looked really good this year. I'm excited for him to be on the level all year long as he was just a little inconsistent last year. Yeah, last year it just seemed like he was like catching up to where he – had been the year before like he was just a step behind all year and then finally big tens ncaa's put it all together and he kind of was who we imagined him to be uh, but yeah if he's kind of starting this far ahead this year be curious to see in a 41 field that that feels fairly wide open you know what he looks like you're gonna make me talk about it so let's just get it out over with lou Dupre, <laughs> beat ben darmstadt 
And, you know, the first period, Ben Darmstadt won. It is clear. He took him down, <laughs> rid true. him out, two minutes of riding time. Then things went a little haywire, and uh, Lou Dupre, yeah. kind of a – it was a tough matchup. I mean, I think the stronger guys are going to have been some, some difficulty, and um, Lou is as strong as, as anyone at this weight. There's a lot of strong guys at 184. Yeah. That's not a weight where you want to have a strength Don't, deficiency. Just stop. He's fine. It's fine. I think, you know, he was carrying a lot of pressure as the Hodge favorite, and now <laughs> I think he can just, you know – Head down, focus on on the next match. It was also his first tour, like time on the mat since 2018 in Cibles. Yeah, yeah, and and you know, like you said, he was the Bearcat Open first period champion. Yeah. But <laughs> um, and the, I mean, the, but really, what it, it did feel very different between that first period and the second and third. In the first period, not only did he get the takedown, but like he he was working his stuff on top, like floating in that that leg ride position, and and kind of looked like he was dictating and doing the things he wanted to do but like man when Dupre turned it on later in the match it was it was just he just straight up beat him head outside took him down twice and uh got and then you know he did catch him on his back the one time as well but um Dupre just looked really really good yeah he's he's super good super good excited for him happy for Binghamton to have a guy that good on their team now other 84 news, Andrew Morgan takes out Nino. This was a great match, too. Nino yeah. comes out, gets two takedowns. You're like, okay, I see where this is going. <laughs> and then a single leg by Nino. He looks for the cradle. And I'm trying to think there was a Wisconsin guy. He did this to Pantaleo. Like, he, he gets cradled up, and he kind of sits through. And Not like a high flyer situation. Mm-hmm, like a, like mm-hmm. a Not even like the Askren uh, LeBlanc situation. It was like a... I don't know. I'll have to look it up. The, the finish was like a like a dump, right? He controlled that elbow mm-hmm. and then uh, above the elbow and then and then kind of rolled through that way. So he catches him on catches Nino on his back out of that exchange, and that was a difference maker. And then he needed a takedown late, yeah. and he got it against Nino. So great match by by Morgan. There, it wasn't just the one move. He was able to get the takedown um, in a in a duel where it was Pitt pulling the upsets primarily. Yeah. Well, and it was in. Pittsburgh too. Yes. So you can't even say home field advantage. I'm trying to see. That was Pittsburgh's only duel of the week, um, but it was the first duel because they wrestled Ohio the next day. So it wasn't even the second day of the back to back for Campbell. Yeah. It, Mike Evans effect with Andrew Morgan. Yeah. yeah I think possible. it's. I think is what we're seeing there. Yeah. Although Nino's got a pretty good coach that way too. But yeah, I, well, I think Nino's gonna be fine. Yeah. I just think Andrew Morgan is, you know, a guy who um, – Campbell's got – Campbell Richard, like, nine guys last year. Yeah. And you see them kind of making some jumps. However, you made the point that Pittsburgh upset them in a couple weights except yeah. for this one. Yeah. Yeah, Pittsburgh had upsets at four, at uh, 41, Cole Matthews, Penn, Josh Heil. They had another upset at 65, Jake Wenzel beat Quentin Perez, 9-1, to majored him. And then at heavyweight, um, this might be more of a nominal upset, but uh, Demetrius Thomas beat Jerry Hino. Hino. 10-3. So pretty dominant upsets. So you would think, like, you know, if, if there was a day where, all right, it was just Pitt's day over Campbell, this was it, but not at 184. So good win for Campbell, or excuse me for Morgan, uh, yeah. the 184. Okay, so that was that was some of the 84. That's most. That's the big upset stories, right? Yeah, I we, I, we covered most of it. There were a lot. 184, like it's one of those weights where 
like a lot of the you know a lot of the guys from the previous year are removed from the field and then guys slide up into those top eight spots but until someone's really proved it at the national tournament and they've like earned that all-american honor you're kind of wondering is this guy really in that slot right and uh you know nino was number four heading into the weekend um and now we're still wondering right is he in there i don't know Should i be. think for guys like like Hydley and bolin i think there's a lot of room for young talent like that to slide up i think i look yeah. at rashid at number seven yeah and just knowing where he is you know he's someone that could make big jumps as well up the rankings we should get to uh them in penn state uh as cp mentioned there was a whole lot of upsets we're not gonna have time to get to all of them but luckily david bray did a whole article about it so uh if you need your upset fix go to david bray's article but i'm 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 fine to talk about Penn State's debut and the lack of some guys we didn't see. Yeah, let's go. Great. Right into it. Penn State uh, wins uh, in predictable and dominant fashion over Navy. The The highlights were, um, you know, some big pins, you know, Chinzo and Hall and uh, Kassar. But for me, my mind goes to the Kyle Connell match because he was the biggest question coming in. Is <laughs> what is he going to look mm-hmm. like? This is a guy that – in 2018, needed a wild card. He did not qualify out of the MAC, right? And then he pins the one seed twice, and then he's gone for a year. And then he transfers from Kent State to Penn State. And coming off an injury, too. Right. So you have inconsistency plus injury. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So he was, a, it was, he was a question mark, and it was a really close match that he, that he ended up winning. But is there any uh, – what, what were the takeaways from, from Kyle Connell there? Is that, that, is that rust, or is that kind of a return back to what Kyle Connell was basically his entire career, barring one weekend in Cleveland? Yes. I think the data suggests that is who Kyle Connell is, which somewhat hurts Penn State. But then again, 187 has been complete crapshoot for yeah. three straight years now. But, yeah, I think the data maps that he is a guy who can be, you know, average above average qualifier level but isn't by no means a guaranteed all-american one thing if you're you know a penn state fan looking for you know a silver lining from this really close opening match with cannell if you remember i mean everybody that remembers cannell remembers him from ncaa's when he's throwing everybody all over the place Mm -hmm. this match he was really focused on leg attacks and he was in on legs pretty regularly and so, I mean, I, one question I had watching the match was like, is that a point of emphasis? Yeah. Like you have the upper body stuff. We know that we need you to develop a go-to leg attack where you can finish and you can finish on good guys. So that's what we're going to do this first part of the season or in a match like this. So I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know that, it, that he necessarily was just sort of working out, you know, leg attack stuff, but maybe, you know, maybe that's something that's happening. Using yeah, that's the early part, part of the season as competition reps, right? Right. Is that what you're getting at? Yeah, competition reps and, like, maybe the coaching staff said, what I really want you to focus on right now is a leg attack. And, you know, if the throw's there, fine. But don't, you know, don't this ma- don't make this into a, you know, upper body show. You need you need a leg attack to win this weight class. We don't need you to pin this guy for us to win this duel. Yeah. So let's focus on these things. And, you know, there's something to be said for you. Just go out there and wrestle for a seven-minute match. Right? Yeah. Not that you're telling the guy not to get a pin or anything, but there is value in him just – being out there for seven minutes and competing when he's been off the mat so much. Well, mm-hmm. And that gets back to the injury thing. I mean, who was it? Penyasic from CSUB? That w- it looked like he was trying to rip his arm out yeah. last yeah. year. So th- I guess that is another thing where you're, you're, you don't know until you get back out there. So, Yeah. 
So a lot of different ways to to take it. And of course, we're going to get to see him again this weekend. Yeah, that'll be good. Mm-hmm. I look forward to watching him there. I wonder. I don't know how the the Black Knight works. That's where Penn State will be. Michigan will be there. Some other teams. Is it one? Is it like the Keystone Classic where it's just your attached guys go, or is it like an open where you we could see a beard, we could see Aaron Brooks? I, I don't know if Aaron Brooks is is quite healthy and ready to compete yet, but you get what I'm saying. I believe based on the. I mean, I'm gonna. I'm actually probably gonna call Kevin Ward after the show and find out that and get wow. get entries. Name but I believe, kind of based on uh, the way Penn State has kind of designed their schedule and why they went to something like, you know, Keystone. I believe it's gonna main. It's only gonna be attached guys. Yeah, that's one thing that b- bugs them when they go to a tournament. When they go to a, even a, a scuffle or an open, and they hit someone. They hit a finger legs guy, and it literally the match basically doesn't exist. They're mm-hmm. trying to get. NCAA D1 matches that count for things. Right, yeah. RPI, win percentage, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, yeah. so it's, I mean, title of the event, Black Knight Invitational, which, you know, Seems means you can't just show up. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with Invitationals, they'll have varied formats. Like, I think at Keystone, you could enter maybe, like, a couple guys at a weight or maybe a total of 15, guys, something mm-hmm. like that. Right, it wasn't so, single entry. Yeah, I, w- yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than just single entry, but I, I do believe it'll be attached wrestlers only. Cool. Well, that'll be good. So looking forward to that. Um, other Penn State thoughts, Teske had a really close. You know, those are the weights. You know, it's 125, we're wondering. 149, we're wondering. 57, we feel, you know, Bergie's going to be really good. He'll be back. He's just recovering from his injury at, at U23s. And then 197, those are kind of the three weights you look to. Where you're like, what exactly do they have there? And, and Teske gets you. Ultimately, getting your hand raised is the, is the goal. But the, the he didn't seem to have the offense required to be a, a difference maker at 125 right now. I figured for Penn State fans, they would they would be more interested in those weights where there are question marks because you know there's supposedly going to be a tight title race this year between them them and Iowa. Uh, and you know, Kale said they're fighting for a spot at 125. Mm-hmm. So it kind of maps with what Kale said in the um, media day, which is we're not sure we're where we're at at 125 and he got a close win over a guy who right now has not looked qualifier level through the early parts of the season yeah and and couldn't like score offensive points right i mean that's the that's the biggest thing i think you know they've got to see from him at some point if, if he's gonna advance is like taking people down also remember our way in now it didn't start at 25 but the the talk was teske was had grown and, and 25 mm-hmm. was going to be a tough pull for him. And I think he looked he looked pretty big. So I think just recovering for the first time, making weight, 25 scratch, and I you know I don't know how long for him. Do you think that was what Penn State almost religiously them in a bunch of schools 125? We start duels at 125. Yeah. That is what we do. Yeah, it started at 141. Do you think that may have played into it? Well, I don't know because there's a um, here's what I think happens. I think because uh, they started at what weight? One forty-one. They drew Nick Lee. They, I don't know if they draw anymore. This I need to find this out before I just start talking about. It. I'm just gonna go for it. They like the guy I was calling the match with Ryan said that they like flip now for choice, and you can whoever wins gets to choose the starting weight. weight. Really? Huh. I like that a lot more. It could be made up. I yeah, mean, I, I like that a whole lot more actually. Yeah, I like it too. Well, and that's what happened at Ohio State because what weight did they start at? They started 33. at 33, 33, which is literally the last way Ohio State would want to start at, and Stanford won the toss. Yeah, okay. So, hmm. yeah, pretty interesting. 
So Penn State, but otherwise, you know, go ahead. I'm sorry, just because now I want to understand mm-hmm. this. The it's the toss that the, when the captains come, so they don't know who is no, starting until that. okay, no, I don't okay. Know. No, that's not it. Okay, that's that's what I was confused yeah, about. Multiple like, toin co- coin toss situation. Yeah, yeah, okay. Because not knowing where you're going to start right up until the duel happens. No, they do it. That would before. be wild. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. But man, Penn State like. They were either scoring crazy bonus points or winning these like really really close matches, and they oh man, like if you're a Penn State fan, it just almost feels inevitable that like the duel is gonna go the way of the of Penn State like at every single weight class. Um, they had they had one point wins at 57, 97, and one twenty five, and then one eighty four was a one point match until the last second when. Creighton Edsel got another takedown and made it five two. So, uh, like it just it just really did feel like um, you know a duel almost scripted by like a, a you know a Penn State fan or something. Like they could just do no wrong in this match. And like man, it's just crazy to watch these guys sometimes. Speaking of Edsel, I don't think we're gonna see even with even with uh, Kale saying you know we're gonna redshirt Aaron Brooks. Of course, I don't think we're gonna see Shakur much. In the first semester, yeah. unless they need them, that makes and that makes sense, you know. Um, Which why, why they don't. So, yeah. <laughs> in duels, yeah, they need him at overall. Yeah, January thirty first though, Carver Hawkeye might need him then. You're gonna want. You're gonna want that guy. You're gonna want that guy. He majored Cash Wilkie uh, two year two seasons ago when at they one ninety seven. Yes, and I don't know if they hit last year or not. I don't think, I don't so. think they did because. They didn't Chicago hit last was year. So inactive. Yeah. Okay. So that was Penn State's uh, eighty-four. Was we talked about Shakur fifty-seven waiting for Bergie. Forty-nine Luke Gardner. Um, you know, to to keep the weight or to keep the spot, I think he's gonna have to keep doing what he just did there, getting getting bonus points. That's the way of the, the Penn State guy, and that could be what differentiates him from for Clearin, who I think can win a lot of matches for yeah. sure. Yeah. But is he gonna be able to? be a, a bonus point score is what I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, you know, you think about think about Verclearin in for example, the Ohio State duel, duel last year where he gave Micah Jordan everything he wanted, right? Um but what do you you know, does he put up bonus points get falls as often? No, probably not. No. All right, any further Penn State thoughts? No, it was pretty straightforward with kind of everything that happened. Yeah. Okay, so Spent the weekend in Columbus, Ohio. It was wonderful. Uh, got to hang out in the the Caffelli Center and the Jennings Wrestling Complex, and um, a lot of interviews that you know some of you've seen, some you haven't. Uh, highlights for me: Sammy Sasso interview. Got to talk with him for a while. Just I really think his, I really like his mindset, and just that guy just really, really loves wrestling, and he loves. It's what he thinks about all the time, and that really comes across in that interview. And he was the last guy, you know, it was a Saturday workout or Sunday Sunday workout, and obviously it was a later duel. So he was there for – he did the workout. Everyone did a workout, and he was there literally another hour or so just on the bike and stance in motion and this and that. It's, he's, he's relentless. The thing that I always think about with Sammy and, like, love of wrestling, giving back to the sport, all that stuff that, you know, your coach wants you to do – is thinking back to when he won Flow Nationals, I want to say 2017, I believe it was my first Flow Nationals, and then the next day, you know, I have to stay for the middle school, and he's right out there coaching the Dark Knights kids, mm-hmm. you know, in the corner for 
80% of the matches for these little guys who are looking up to him. Mm-hmm. And I think that just kind of speaks to everything that CP's talking about with the love of wrestling and the commitment. So to me, there's there's a lot we can talk about with, with, my, with the weekend at Ohio State. We can talk about Coach Ryan Travell stuff um, relating to Kyle. We can talk about the performance of, of the team and then Cavelli Center. I don't you, I it can be uh, up I think, to you guys. Yeah, I think we start with the, uh, the coaches talking yeah. about the recent departures there yeah. because, look, that's the talk of the town right now. Yeah, it, it was. And um, I, I appreciated how willing they were to, to talk about something that's probably not super fun to talk about. Um, I It was interesting to me to learn – how little involvement Travell or how out of the loop Travell was with hmm. the whole thing. He's just he's hearing, and maybe it was just my own misinterpretation of that relationship with Travell and Kyle. But the whole thing that seemed to be reality was that those two were su- super close, right? It was like a big brother relationship. And for Travell to be one of the last ones to know, I thought was was really interesting and surprised me. And for for Coach Ryan. Um, I think, I I think it's a I don't wanna, I don't know how to say it, but I think, I think they now realize they've got to make investments there in the RTC and and get some more guys in there, which is why I asked him about Jaden Cox and I didn't know what I was gonna get with that with that answer. <laughs> yeah. I just started, I was like, hey, we'll see, and I, and I don't know, I didn't follow up with him in the interview, and I didn't really follow up uh, afterwards to know like well. How have those conversations happened? How are you guys going after him? And, right. And he was really careful to say it's not for the reasons – it's not a revenge thing. Yeah. Right? Which I think is de- um, definitely true and definitely the case. Well, it's also dangerous if you start going down that road. Yeah. Right? And like you're saying, I don't think Tom Ryan really thinks like that. But it is dangerous if you start going down that road and going, all right, well, we just – we got to get this guy to beat this guy because then – you're just you're doing things for the wrong reasons, as he said. But yeah, so now you know there's questions with Jaden. Um, you know, with with Jaden Ironman going to Iowa. Yeah. Is, could Jaden Cox be looking at there? Could Jaden Cox be looking at the Ohio RTC? Is he just going to stay at uh, the you know the OPTC with Kevin Jackson? Yeah. We haven't talked to Jaden directly, so this is just yeah. us trying to read read breadcrumb. Or, uh, Read breadcrumbs. Let's follow breadcrumbs. breadcrumbs. Yeah. No, you know what? We introduced sneakers. Now we're reading breadcrumbs. That's the new. Okay. Started with tea leaves, came back to breadcrumbs. Yeah. So there's bread and tea involved somewhere. The amount of wow. um, what I perceive, and while I, 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 I do say that the coach Ryan was super candid. I do think there was a lot of self-editing going on throughout that interview too. Like, sure. And and just just being around I feel like th- there's still a lot unsaid about the Snyder situation about how how they they really feel how it went down how Kyle went about it I think there is some uh, a little more and this is just me just kind of like perceiving but mm. it, it was not a clean breakup yeah one of the things that coach Ryan said and and by the way yeah hats off to that guy he didn't have to answer any of those questions no. right and he uh, I mean he sat there for like 16 minutes and 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 was was fairly open of course right he's got to be measured to some degree yeah. one of the things that he said that I really appreciated that both seems like it's true but also kind of to your point suggests there's maybe more behind the scenes is he said um, you know we love Kyle Snyder this is a situation where we disagree with him though like yeah. we're, we're not sure he made the right decision we still love him. 
but we don't we don't think he made the right call and that that kind of suggests like there was something you know behind the scenes there was maybe a disagreement or something right well how about the how about the and this gets to the point about the rtc where coach ryan goes i think about kyle as as an athlete a student athlete you know as a buckeye and then him as a senior level guy and when you don't have a full-time rtc coach Right, because it's all the Ohio State coaches putting their time in with the with the RTC, and when the guy now has their own structure and kind of their own schedule, things are a little different. Yeah. and all those guys, their main job, their main focus, their their main you know where they get their money from is the is the Ohio State team. So could there be something there where there was miscommunication or or whatever happened where Kyle, um, you know, the, he wasn't getting the same. Uh, focus from them and maybe that's maybe that's what drove them apart but either way that speaks to the rtc being important and kind of needing to to make investments there yeah i mean i think if i was yeah i think ohio state coaching staff would probably um you know debate that point a little bit by at least like some of the things that coach ryan brought up which is like more more world team you know members Mm -hmm. than anybody else since you know in the last two quads you know they Um, brought in amar desi which i don't know if is that publicly out there i just learned that yeah yeah. desi's there training Mm -hmm. so he's got really i mean he's got good partners there Mm -hmm. yeah Um, obviously you know penn state's got great partners as well but yeah but but it's a fair point right like what you know um but you know i don't know i don't know that he's that he's getting necessarily like who who at penn state will be full-time 100 percent dedicated rtc that's not also helping no that's that's the thing right right there's only a handful of schools that have full-time yeah. RTC coach. So there's just any senior level guy, even, you know, even someone like Kyle Snyder, there is still some level of, you know, these coaches still, it's, they still have to focus their time on, on the buck on, you know, whatever their college team is. And they, they do have to split their time. So yeah, it's just something that, you know, every senior, senior level athlete has to, has to deal with in their own individual way. Does that happen on purpose or does that kind of, is that, happen as a product of like what's driving revenue to the schools right because Travell was was like there to replace Lou he was the RTC coach and then as opportunities became available now he's he's connected with the Ohio State program but um you know I, I thought you know the intention right was Travell RTC separate from from Ohio State but now like those those lines of yeah you know become a lot more blurry is that something that just like happens over time most places unless you like draw a really hard definitive line to make sure that it doesn't or i mean what's your guys thought on that it's just yeah it's just something difficult that um each program has to deal with yeah that i mean look you're looking at reese and you know guerrero and only a couple other guys Perry. That are full-time yeah rtc coaches yeah so uh, all in all, it was it was a great weekend at Ohio State. I mean, I anytime I, I go on these trips and you spend like a condensed amount of time kind of around a team, around the coaches, it's it's really fun for me. And Ohio State, it's the first time I've really been able to do that at at Ohio State, and um, really, it's just a fun group to hang around. I, Coach Ryan's energy is funny. Um, so we had a, a a video guy named Chris Walker who doesn't know the first <laughs> thing about wrestling there, and. You know, he's like he's his background is marching, but he's like a video wizard. He's like really talented guy. So he's like fish out of water big time. <laughs> and but he's like he just thinks it's so awesome. It's so fascinating. He's like the candor in which like the athletes will speak. You know, you know, we're interviewing real woods. He says, in my mind, I'm number one. He's like, and he's like, he's like, wow. He's like, I can't believe they talk like this. And um, 
he, he had a cool thing he said about about Coach Ryan. He really likes uh, Coach Ryan. We spent a decent amount of time with him, and you get you know all those interviews. You feel like you get to know a guy, and he's like he's like you know he's like there's not many people that are like Coach Ryan. Even if I was only around him a few minutes. It it can affect you. Yeah. So I thought that was that was profound, and that was like one thing I always I said when people I forget what we were talking about on the show. We were talking about wrestling and why we, we love wrestling and what what it was about the sport for me. It's like I like being around wrestlers because the the mindset and just the the way they carry themselves is just so interesting and refreshing to me. Mm-hmm. And I think when other people who have never been around that, like Chris, are around it, you can you can understand why th- this is the best sport that there is and and the people it produces and like. Tom Ryan is just a relentless individual yeah. in just like every aspect. It was so funny after so we did a we did a final rap interview after the duel. And, you know, we're talking about it and he's like it's kind of like an exhale and he's he's um on to his next thing cuz they had recruits in town and then yeah. he was going to to talk to the recruits. And uh you know, Chris is a little tired. I'm like, "Man, Chris has got to go Wednesday. He's on another trip for like 5 days." And and Tom's like I just want to explode. And I was like, what? <laughs> he's like, I'm just, he's like, one day I'm just going to die. He's like, I'm not going to, oh, I got a couple years, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> he's like, I'm just going to go and then I'm going to die. And I was like, wow, right. coach. I was yeah. like, let's, I was like, man, let's, let, let's all do that. Let's yeah. like just not stop ever. He's like, that's just, that's just what I want to do. Yeah. I'm just going to keep doing this, go as long as I can, and then one day I'll die. Well, think about all the hats you have to wear, right? Yeah. We just, we just got done talking about, the RTC stuff, right? So you have these senior level guys and, and kind of building this infrastructure of, okay, I got to think about my guys afterwards. And then, like you were saying, recruits, right? So thinking about the high school guys. Meanwhile, they have 30 some odd guys on the team, mm-hmm. right? And of course, there's only 10 starters, but you got to about, okay, now I got to develop these guys. You know, how am I going to work, work these red shirts in? And there's a lot of hats you have to wear as a college wrestling coach. And I'm glad that uh, Chris got to see kind of that inner working where, man, these guys are just forever going. Yeah, nonstop for sure. Uh, so, yeah, they, Coach Ryan is, is certainly not satisfied with uh, – he wasn't satisfied with the Buckeyes' performance afterwards, even though it was 9-1. Um, I think he realizes that – and, you know, he talks really candidly about there's going to be some changes in the lineup probably, right? And yeah. He, he did not rule out uh, Decatur – to go 25, really? even though he missed 33 this weekend. What? He, he did not rule it out. He said it's, it's it's a possibility. They could still drop him down. They really like Kenner, I think. And, and you know, and also the Etchemendia thing is looming. Yeah. And he could be eligible this year. For any number of, yeah. And they Man. could use him. And they, they could, they would use him. If, if they got him in and he was, he was truly eligible. Mm-hmm. And he commit, he would have to commit there also, obviously. I, but. Would that have to mean Pletcher down to thirty three? He, he could go fifty seven. He could go. He wow. they, they, huge he in could, Iowa. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. Those, he's those apparently pictures. he's apparently just mo- wherever he's going. He's been wrestling with a lot of really good dudes, and I don't want to put any names out there without knowing it. You know, but he's he's beating senior level guys, right? He is just on a on a completely different level, and um, he he maybe has a crazier story than. And I think we realize, so we need to, yeah. we need to get some time with with Anthony. Do you think the, because I know a lot of coaches uh, are maybe a little more 
coy with talking about their rosters, and I know we complain about it a lot, but ultimately it's w- w- whatever each coach feels is best for their program. Do you think some of Coach Ryan's uh, candor about the the lineup is kind of him holding himself accountable, right? Like, if I'm going to talk about these things publicly, then I need my guys to know that um, – my performance is just as important as their performance, and me making the right decisions for the team and for them as student athletes is just as important as them taking care of business, making weight, you know, be, being being well, at the right weight for them. No, I don't really think it's. I mean, I don't know what that even means, but I think he's always been. I mean, I think back to the wrestle offs with uh, Magrum and Quartz, and he's yeah. always been super candid Going back there, about yeah. about you know who, who we're going with. He's he's. I think he's just really open talking about it. Yeah, that's not enough. That's not the standard. That's not what we're looking for. And even though, um, you know, they they won a lot of weights. I think he's. I think he knows at fifty seven, they're they're in trouble there. Yeah. Right. Cleary Cleary dug deep, and um, we saw another guy get uh, gassed from the top position. <laughs> um, they said it, I was I was um, I was mocked for for saying that. Um, that Gilman gassed him from bottom, but that's what Cleary did. And yeah. the, literally Cleary and Tom Ryan are like, yeah, he cooked himself from the top position. He's just squeezing too hard. Yeah. And I couldn't couldn't maintain it. <laughs> he fell off a cliff, man. Yeah, I was he like, did. dude, Eichens is like in a major. And then all of a sudden it was it was over. And yeah. he had nothing left. So no, I don't I don't know what it, what it is other than, man, he's they've been first, third, second, second, second the last five years That's yeah right great run you know uh, this year is another year where it feels like third is very much a possibility first and second feels like a reach but yeah. um but but this year for ohio state even though they don't have like the pressure on their shoulders to to probably win it uh it's going to be such a proving ground year for that team and if a handful of these young guys move themselves into all-american level if sammy sasso you know is not fifth but wins it right if you know if, if, if on all these young guys, that's going to set the table for them moving forward. And, and I know they have big guy, big recruits coming into the lineup, but, um, but man, like they kind of have a lot on the line for 2021, 2022 that I think we'll know more about this year. And I think uh, for that reason, this is a, a huge year if you're a Buckeye fan. And on another note, at the Ohio Intercollegiate Open, Carson won. Jordan, Rocky Jordan won and Gavin Hoffman won. So yeah. again, we we still think uh, Carson's going to redshirt this year, but maybe you get maybe you get Rocky and Gavin back on track. Whether they end up in the lineup or not, you got to get those guys back to being at a certain level. I think you could very reasonably say 25, 57, 74, 84 for sure. I think we're going to see different. Ver- a variety of starters mm. there. I think those are super open. And CKLV kind of is where it comes to a head somewhat because that being single entry yeah and that not only being single entry but being an opportunity to get two through seven matches Mm -hmm. represents a huge opportunity for for those guys they've got a weekend uh coming up now they're gonna have Pitt and virginia tech this weekend all right that won't be uh, like that that's fine two two super tough teams so they're gonna what did you think of Cavelli Center because it looked Man. in the stream it looked awesome it's it's it is awesome it was so I mean it's just like that's what a that's what a wrestling atmosphere that's mm-hmm. what a wrestling arena should look like it, everything about it from the aesthetic to the um, the sound to the mat to the 
you could feel it. The, my one regret is that they had me post, they had me up way back, like literally next to the concession mm-hmm. stand where normally, because talking with Chris, Chris was down on the floor the whole time. He's like, I've never been in anything that loud before. Yeah. I've never experienced anything like that. And I was so far back that I could tell it was loud, but yeah. when you're not, when you're not surrounded by it, like the wrestlers are surrounded mm-hmm. by it, you don't feel like I felt it when I've been at at Carver or or Rec Hall. When you're on the mat, it's yeah. just the the noise is coming in your direction. It's insane. So it was it was wild. I thought it was an amazing turnout. Um, they they did everything right. It was it was it's a it's a raise the bar for the sport kind of facility, and and just how how connected everything is to the wrestling room. You can go straight from the room down to the um to the competition area their locker rooms are right there they've got it all man i was it was it was like um because you know you see the the extravagance of like you know clemson's football locker rooms whatever i was like bless you they it was it was it was a really cool Hmm. they've got like all these arcade games and all this like fancy like recovery equipment and sleep pods and all this awesome stuff it was but as far as the cavelli center goes it's it's a perfect place for for big wrestling matches, and I think they're going to have some amazing dual meets there. Um, and I think about the other events that, that could come to to the Cavelli Center that would be perfect. I, I feel like for a long time the conversation about how do we like make or make wrestling a big thing and whatever, you know, people were like, oh, let's you know d- take from UFC or do this or do this. Like I feel like those two, the two big duels we saw on Sunday the Penn State duel in Rec Hall and then the Cavelli Center duel, like it's like, no, this is it. Like mm-hmm. we have it, you get a mat, you know, put it in, a, in a arena that's packed, meant for a bunch of people, produce like, it really well with great cameras and, and put it on the stream and uh, you know, and that's it. Like we have our thing, put it on a stage, right? Um, yeah. yeah. So two things and uh, I think we can close out. Number one, the, so you had big time 2021 guys at each duel. You had Rich Figs at Ohio State. You had Alex Facundo at Penn State. Yeah. So you go, all right, those guys got to see exactly what Bray was talking about, Five, 6,000 people loud for matches where everyone expected them to blow out and win. Yeah. And they went out and took care of business. So just a note there that these, no surprise, highly ranked 2021 guys are looking at, you know, two of the best schools. Um, and then last thing, I loved having a Sunday night football type duel. That was great. We're going to get we're get another one this week with uh, Northern Iowa Northwestern. So this kind of gets back to what we were talking about last week with the the maction, right? The like yeah. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday duel. Having a late night, and I know it's hard because travel and you know people got class on Mondays and all. But having a late night or later in the afternoon duel on a Sunday is awesome. Yeah. I, I was really thankful that it it didn't go head up with some of the other one o'clock duels. It got to be kind of on an island there, mm-hmm. and it, it was it was great. And it you know gave us more time to do cool stuff like chatting with uh, Logan, and um, we had a good interview with him that day. Colin Moore as well. So it was it was awesome. So let's see more of that. Maybe okay. I know Tuesday is harder, but maybe a little more five, six, seven p.m. Sunday night duels. Yeah, let's keep do in it. mind, college coaches. Okay, to the wrestling, because we didn't really touch so much on that. A few things I want to say. Really, it was encouraging to see Quinn Kinner be really solid for seven minutes. Um, Mm -hmm. I don't know much about his opponent, so what to make of it. But he's got Mickey Phillippe 
this week, and he he was winning late in that match, right? So a match he can win. I think he's really his length is a, a thing, and he seemed to be able to recover pretty well. I mean, that was the first match of the night. Mm-hmm. It was literally an hour away in. Yeah, and he's running out there and wrestling. Yeah, he was he was the sneaky one of their recruits when they came in. Right, everybody knew Sasso. Everybody knows when he was a flip. Yeah, but that too, that too. Good point. Uh, but he was kind of one that, although maybe he was highly ranked, people weren't as aware of him, I think, maybe outside of Jersey or that Northeast. I became aware when at Flow Nationals. Yes. He had a good Flow Nationals, and that was when I first uh, saw him. He, he's good. So I like him. How about Real Woods, man? Real Woods, dude. Luke Pletcher, great match. I mean, that dude, he picked his spot, and he almost, man, he almost had it. And, and But really, it's just a credit to Luke, such a smart wrestler, so savvy and in those different positions, he hits that dive roll and able to finish. And the, yeah, and the, like for a for a position as crazy as that to kind of come down to right, Pledger gets that wrist control and he's able to work his way for the takedown. That was such a dramatic takedown because it looked like he was done, right? But yeah. I mean, I know, I know, I'm, I'm sure he felt very confident the whole time. But like from a viewership perspective, it's like no, nope, looks he got this. It's very dicey, and then all of a sudden he comes out. Right on the edge of the mat and just, I mean, yeah, it's a walk-off, right? Like, that's that was cool. Yeah, it was sick. It was right in front of the the Ohio State coaches and the flex and the crowds going nuts. High-five Tom Ryan. Yeah, it was, was, it was really cool. Um, and man, if he if he misses that dive roll, it's just like it's a, it's a yeah, two. Yeah. But it was there, and he got it. I, I, I thought it was really good. And one thing that Coach Ryan was like, he's like, that guy did not get tired. He's like, Real Woods did not get tired. He had no. more to give, right? And so we've got to know that. Yeah. Yes. Th- yeah. That's how I. That's how I took. I mean, real didn't. I don't think real made like a, a freshman mistake or anything, which is what no. I expected. I thought he was going to over pursue at some point, come out, want to hand fight really hard, and just get get caught, get stung. One good takedown, and one takedown is all Luke Pletcher needs, and he would win in regulation. And he had it. He wrestled a really smart match. He got in on a beautiful leg attack that he all but finished. He's right there, and you have to be. Uh, really encouraged if you're mm-hmm. Stanford. Fan. Yeah, yeah. They had two or three really good exchanges, and I just I I really like Luke Pletcher up at 141. Yeah. I just the the energy, not just the energy like after the match, right, where he's fired up when he won. That was also good to see because mm-hmm. you know Luke's a very even keel kid. But to see the energy during the match, to see the energy after the match, I think he's just a wholly different guy. He talked about it. Uh, we ran an article. Um, about kind of his hunger for a title, uh, Andy Vance did it, and kind of his, his media day interview. So you just you're seeing this new uh, just life from from Pletcher, and then Woods, like you said, that that's a guy that he's going to have to beat to get to you know where he wants to be, which is a national championship. That that is like a quarterfinal match waiting to happen in NCAA's. Yeah, I can yeah. I, dude, I could listen to Real Woods interviews all day. <laughs> yeah, man. that kid's confidence is it's like. Man, that, that, yeah, like that, I believe that guy when he. Tells I kind of do too. I was yeah. like, ah, you know, you leave him. I was like, well, I guess he's being clutch. I guess he's gonna win the NCAA's. <laughs> I guess he's I <laughs> well, you're seeing these these stars develop, right? Rural Woods and Kendall Coleman and these guys mm-hmm. who were were high on the big boards, and, it, and it's every year, right? There's okay, we got we got this group of kids coming in, and some of them are gonna go like this, and some of them are gonna go this, and some of them are gonna go like that. And Woods is one of those guys right now who is early on looking like he can be a star. And, you know, when Pletcher graduates and Yanni graduates and these guys, he's going to be the next one kind of taking the reins of that 41-49 group. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so excited for, for Real Woods and Shane Griffith. Uh, man, is he, 
he's really freaking good too. He, I mean, that that match was so. I don't know. I, I don't. I like kind of waver on like what I think about momentum and stuff, but like what a momentum shift when Smith is in on a leg attack. If he finishes, he's either up one or tied. Right, long exchange. He can't quite turn in to get the two on Shane Griffith. Gri they stalemate it back to center. It was like Griffith's like, all right, enough of this. <laughs> Takedown, cradle. Boom. And it looked like Evan Wick because it was one of those, like, it wasn't like he had Smith on his side in, like, a traditional yeah. cross-face cradle. He, like, was in his base, and he had the cradle and just took him over. Mm -hmm. And that was, um, that was a really shocking it wasn't shocking that he won i just it was like whoa wait it's over he just cradled and pinned him in a what was a pretty competitive match griffith has long been a guy who he he just keeps winning matches keeps winning matches and you're like all right okay he's really good high school wrestler but then at some point it just becomes like okay this is just who he is right and he's gonna do the same things in college that he did in high school yeah I think Robbie Howard's just going to yell at me on Twitter for, forever <laughs> just because I said, just because I made the fateful error of saying he wasn't the freshman I was most <laughs> excited to watch. And he talked about in that uh, interview you did with him about when uh, they beat Blair in the duel, mm -hmm. and there's, like, this famous what like thing, whatever, like within Bergen, of whatever Shane Griffith said to Robbie before Robbie went out and beat Kolioko that, like, iced the duel for him. Oh. So I'm curious – I don't know. That just made me think of that's a famous of, thing, but we don't. No, know not like a said. famous thing, but it's just like it's just like this this little thing with within Bergen, like whatever Shane said that got Robbie so amped up to, to ice the duel for him. So yeah, got to know. Yeah, so Shane, Shane's very very good. He's clearly probably top five guy, um, maybe, and who knows how high he can climb. He's really he's really good, really smart wrestler. So. Any other things to discuss? 84. I mean, Colin Moore just, he looked fantastic. That's as good as I've, you know, Traxler's, Traxler's a good, like, measuring stick, right? Yeah. Obviously, yeah. Colin is the number one guy, unquestionably. But, you know, it's 4-2 against Jacob Woodley, who Jacob Woodley and uh, Nathan Traxler, I would say, are somewhat peers in terms of, like, accomplishments sure. and, on the D1 scene. And yeah. so for him to come out and just, from the word go, um... Now, I thought he attacked hard for seven minutes. Coach Ryan was a lot more critical. He's like, felt like he had two and a half minutes, and then he kind of wait, and then he poured it on at the end. So, um, you know, different, different, different. <laughs> the standard is the standard. Different standards yeah. here, my yeah. standards. Uh, yeah, unquestionably lower than Tom Ryan's. Uh, but yeah, I thought I thought he looked really good. I thought when he was attacking, he, I thought he looked so much smaller than Traxler, but he was just all over him. Traxler's pretty. Tall, right? He's really tall. Yeah. Yes. Plus, he's got the flow going. He does. Okay. So I think that was. I think we pretty much hit it. You know, Malik. I didn't think looked great. I didn't think he was. That's that's their backup, right? That's yeah. not. That was definitively not Gabe Townsell. Yes. And Gabe Townsell is not. Gabe Townsell, you know, guy that hasn't been on the. Po he's not like this otherworldly guy himself, yeah. right? He's a really good, really good dude at one twenty five, but not an all American. So. But I mean, Malik not in red shirt, right? He not yeah, he wrestled. That so that's it. He that's the wrestled. I mean, that's the big takeaway at twenty five, I think. Well, and that right. was one thing. And, and Coach Ryan's right about this. The first interview I did with him, first of three, uh, <laughs> where he's talking about, he's like, you know, we. He kind of he's like, I don't want to go off a tangent here, but why can't I 
wrestle a guy and preserve his retro, use him for a few duels. Yeah. With, the way the descent plan works, it, it's really it's not healthy. It's not really smart. It doesn't make any sense. It's not common sense. And the fact that football can do it, and, and see, I don't know how they get away with that. How can football have guys play in games, like four games? Yeah. They can play multiple games and then redshirt. And Malik wrestles a November duel against Stanford, and the redshirt is gone and cannot be it's, put back on. It's stupid. The, it makes no sense. The descent plan thing I hadn't, I guess, thought about with this whole debate. But, like, you know, if, if you, especially at a weight like 25, um, I mean, comparing it to football, right? Like football, if you're practicing all week and you're planning on redshirting and then somebody gets hurt and they need you, you know, it's Thursday and they need you on Saturday, fine. Like you're, you're ready to go. If, if I'm a 125 pounder and I'm a backup and I'm not planning on making weight that weekend and I'm 10 pounds over or, you know, more, and then all of a sudden I got to make weight in two days, uh, th- like that is going to be one hard Two, I'm not going to perform as well as I could have. And, and so I need to be in a position where I'm coming down and planning to descend and, and uh, ready to wrestle. And if, and if I don't get to wrestle, um, or if I, you know, if you're as a coach having to constantly tell these guys, get ready, it might mean we're pulling your whole red shirt and it's changing your whole five-year plan. I mean, that's a huge impact on these guys when yeah. it'd be great to just like coach Ryan said, be able to say, Hey, putting you in and we're still going to decide later about the red shirt. Hey, did we, have we talked about Ironman going to Iowa yet? Not yet. Oh my gosh. I feel like I've lived an entire life since that happened, and we haven't even done a show since. Jane Ironman's going to Iowa, as uh, as predicted here by us. Um, and I th- I think as we look to the 2021 team race, you can't be anything but excited. But it, it raises a lot of questions for Iowa. What? Because if he thinks he's a 41, which he has been, that's that, an issue. It's an issue, right? And not a big issue, but. If he goes up to 49, then you get Gavin and DeSanto in the lineup rather seamlessly. Whereas at 41, Gavin or DeSanto will not be in the lineup, or one of them will have to go up to 149, which is problematic. <laughs> but either way, they are going to be – if they do 49, they say, Jaden, please, just hang out with Cassiope. Yeah. Y'all just crush the um, the mess hall, eat, 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 be a 49-pounder. They would go – Spencer, Gavin DeSanto, or DeSanto Gavin, Ironman, Young, Bull, Kimmer, uh, Assad, Warner, Cassiope. That's a, that, that's that, a lineup. With Chinzo and Hall coming out for and Shakur and Maybe probably Kassar. Um that that is that's huge. So, that's absolutely huge. So then you're looking at <clears throat> so then you're looking at for Penn State a ton of Blue chippers, but guys with zero varsity matches. Yeah, Joe Lee, Michael Beard, Aaron Brooks. Mm-hmm. So again, blue chip, high pedigree, good track record of Penn State being able to get freshmen to go right away. But nonetheless, the question continues. Well, you can't have another Taylor Nuth. Well, you can't have another Nolfin Nickel. Yeah, well, they might. But again, the question is now reared said for a third time. Or the, second time, I guess. The big the big question with Iowa's lineup with that Ironman decision is if he goes forty one, I mean from what we're hearing, Yanni's forty nine next year, mm-hmm. right? If Ironman goes forty one, he's a favorite. He is I think hands down the favorite at one forty one. Yeah. If he goes forty nine, I mean that road goes through Yanni again. And I mean, you know, I, I'm sure Ironman believes he's gonna beat Yanni, but um 
but it's certainly a, a simpler path if you go 41. I mean, he knows what that he knows what that weight class is like. He's performed at that weight class, and also like if it's DeSanto at 41. I mean, he may be 41 this year. We'll find out. But at this point, he's he's proven himself at 33, not yet at 41. So you've got two guys who can make it happen in any weight, but they're not in the weight classes where they're proven, where they've done their thing. 33 next year is going to be crazy deep again if Soriano is is up at 33, Dayton Fix Dayton, back in the mix, Meechich back in the mix. <laughs> so 33 is Goodness. like, that's going to be brutal. <laughs> so it's not like you have a favorite at 33 and 41 that you're sacrificing. But, but I mean, for Ironman, I think that's a real consideration, right? Yeah, I think so. I, I think, and, you know, lots of time still before they have to make that decision. And for Ironman, I don't blame him for wanting to go the way he wants to go, right? And Iowa can solve the 49 problem how they want to solve it. I think Murin could go up fine. Yeah. And also, DeSanto goes this year. He still has a red shirt. Yeah. So they could redshirt, but it's like if you're making a title push, yeah, you don't yeah. probably want they that title dude push without DeSanto doing wrestling matches. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you want that guy on your team. I mean, he's ranked second right now. I think uh, he, he's obviously going to be in that mix next year as well. So a lot of options at Iowa. They are looking formidable. They're going to be really good this year. Yeah. They're super good this year. They can win. They can absolutely win this year. And if you look, I think we're going to be talking Iowa, Penn State all year long, and uh, that's just fine with me. It's hard to avoid it. And uh, <laughs> like they're, just, yeah. they're top two that's teams. A, I'll talk about that uh, all day. So when you think about, okay, first week takeaways from Penn State is it's kind of the thing we've talked about with Penn State in the past at times. It's like their upside guys score so many points that you can have a couple – the one year they had five All-Americans and they were all in the finals and they won, <laughs> right? I'm pretty sure that could that, be that, made up. But I that'll think do that, well for you. I think that happened. It's not bad. Um, so if you do that, you can have some guys not placed, right? And with um, Iowa, I think they are 10, like 1 through 10 stronger, mm -hmm. right? Like where's their hole? I mean, 84, 41 Did, maybe. Yeah, the hole is just not – Assad having zero varsity matches. Yeah, well, not wait, that he. No, not I'm, ta that he I'm talking this year. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. talking this I'm year. Sorry. And like you know, the the whole is okay. Wilkie is a guaranteed qualifier who's mm -hmm. going to win matches at NCAs at minimum. Two time right? round of twelve. Yeah, two time round of twelve guy Max Murin is basically the same. He's going to qualify. He's going to win matches at NCAs. It's just how high can he can he be top six or is he going to be around a twelve dude right? Yeah. So there, that's their so they're their basement is higher. There is no basement. It's like Texas. Yeah. There are no basements here. Concrete slab. It can't be found. This just it starts with the concrete slab, right? But they only have, like, Spencer, Bull are probably the two biggest point scorers. Then you throw Kimmer in there this year for them as far as, like, we know what they're going to be. And, like, you could say DeSanto and you could say, um, you know, some other guys, but they're still – it's just not quite as proven. So – they need their upside guys to be upside for for them to have the advantage, right? Mm -hmm. Because otherwise you're just seeding. Yeah, you have the better 9 and 10 guys, but you give up all that advantage when Mark Hall, Chinzo, Kassar pin their way to the semis yeah. and then win titles, yeah. right? Yeah, the, the road to the title for Iowa is Marinelli wins the title, which prevents Chinzo from winning a title. Uh, Kyle Cannell is not an All-American, and Jacob Warner – is. is the blue chipper that we we you know we, we thought he could be in high school, uh, and then you know DeSanto beats RBY again. Yeah, and so Young's well, gonna be a thing too. To to you gotta 
each individual weight class, you got to okay, we got to beat him here, we got to beat him here, we got to beat him here. Man, if you're if you're the Iowa coaching staff, I wonder if you're looking at Seth Gross trying to make this 57 thing happen and watching his match at Buffalo 7-3 decision over a guy that you know you would expect him to pin and you're telling DeSanto push the pace on this guy and you're going to win a national title right Um, so I mean you know and that makes that makes this weekend all the more important for Seth Gross because if he doesn't qualify this weekend he's going to be holding weight for another another month another month yeah yeah Yeah, I mean he's I listened to his interview with Mike Malley he's walking around at like 38 I mean he looks man to, for him, that interview to him be 138 pounds, I think – I look at that face and I think 13 more to go. Quick, quick math problem, <laughs> Thir- minus 13, that's uh, – uh, That's scary. That's scary to me. Um, and I, I want, you know, I want Seth to be able – you know, some guys recover better off insane weight cuts. Some guys can, just, can just do it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And he'll need, to, he'll need to be one of those guys. Ah. Um, I think – well, where do we go? Um Want to go to Farrell real quick? Because more guys are <laughs> entering this tournament. Man. Someone tell them only one gets to go. Only one qualifies. These guys are just. Uh, I love it. So, Nishan, Nato, Gross, Cruz, Suriano, Corey Clark at 57. Those are the heavy hitters. And you also have guys like Pirelli that are, that are uh, going to be there as well. So, really, really tough weight. Um, we figured we would see Corey down at 57 at some point. That's not going to be an easy pull for him either. Yeah, very spindly guy. Not not a lot to pull from there. But he made 125 as a freshman. Yeah, Corey but was never a uh, fluffy 33 pounder. No, no, <laughs> no, no fluff. No. So 57, man. I, th- I think we need a classic nomad seating predictions article on this. Yeah. Can you that's, do that? Yeah, so I go ahead and get started. I wanted to I wanted to get the preview out today mm-hmm. to, for just kind of setting the table and where these guys have been, what they've been doing, and then a separate thing, and then like maybe a prediction, and then a separate thing looking at okay, what is the actual logical uh, order we'll see these guys in in mm-hmm. the bracket? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Now, so that was fifty-seven. We've talked about that one pretty extensively. Sixty-five, also crazy, dude. Jordan Oliver, Frank Molinaro, Joey McKenna. Um, Coming off Kalazic. going from Final X to not qualifying for trials. Yeah, I know. That's in, crazy. In a new environment at Penn RTC. Meredith Kalazic, Laser, Dean Heil, just classic two-time champ. Nick Dardanes. Our guy Ironman will be in the mix here. Yes, Jaden Ironman. Got to feel like this is J.O.'s, but I, think, I feel like it's J.O. Molinaro. Well. Well. Last time Molinaro wrestled, J.O. would beat him at um, for the national team spot in Raleigh. And that match was a little different than – I went back and watched all their matches. J.O. beat him twice on criteria with takedowns, right? So uh, J.O. was able to get a couple twos while Molinaro was kind of getting ones. And this time around, J.O. couldn't get a takedown until there was 15 seconds left. So it looked like a defensive adjustment for Molinaro. Okay. Okay. Well, I still – I don't know. I think J.O.'s had the upper hand there historically. But who knows? Yeah. Okay. And then they've got 74, which we've discussed. 
Um, you need to get this in some sort of order. This is not helpful. It's like for just scanning. All right. I put I, it in the order they registered. I know. That's not helpful. That's not, it means nothing. Uh, Nolf, Imar, Marsteller, Mackay Lewis, Tyler Berger, Brandon Sorensen, Logan Massa, Dan Valamont, uh, Tommy Gant. Nazar Kolchiski's in there, too. Nazar. And supposedly Chenzo. Yep. It was not registered oh, yeah. yet. Penn State. R- rumor has it, Chenzo. Straight from the horse's mouth. Straight from the Chenzo's mouth. Now, um, you know, seeding this one. I think you should. we should assume he's going to be there. So we're going to have a couple NCAA match, uh, rematches potentially. We could have Makai Chenzo again and Kassar Gable again. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's setting for 86. Drew Foster, Nathan Jackson, Sammy Brooks, Dom Abinader, Ringer. Miles Martin, Tim Dudley, and uh, Josh Asper. Man, like a ringer versus Miles Martin match is not something that I ever would have imagined. Expected, but yeah. give me that. 157. You know? I want to see Alex Daringer at 86 kilograms. He's going to look terrifying. Yeah, yeah. Man. Full size. He's going to win. He's. I think he's going to win. I think his. And it's kind of crazy that, in my mind. Tim and Miles, in yep. my mind. The. Not not this particular field, but kind of looking um, overall at the guys who haven't qualified, the best two at 86 are coming up in weight from 79, Zahid and Ringer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, good point. Cause Zahid, Zahid's not qualified, right? Correct. But he's not coming to this. He's just Dallas. Correct. He will not be at the Bill Farrell. Got it. 97. I think Pat Downey's entering. He tweeted something <laughs> like, He's got thick or something. He's gonna go does that mean he's entering the feral, or does that mean he – was it a joke, or does that mean he's wants to go 97 for the trials? He said – Because he is already qualified. He said feral. He said the word – I think he typed the word feral. Hmm. Now, have fun with this Kyle Snyder guy, the Battle of the Marylanders, Mike Mock, Jacob Casper, uh, Enoch Francois of Northwestern College. Yeah, fame, yep. Kyvan Gadsden, Kevin Beasley, Danny Chade. Uh, so yeah, tough weight there, uh, but you know Kyle Snyder in the mix. First time, I'm sure he'll be. Uh, you know, I doubt he'll look much different than we saw him, but maybe we'll see some noticeable changes in his wrestling already. Yeah. Then 125, Chenzo or Chenzo, jeez, Kassar's likely coming but not registered. Gable. Likely not, coming but not registered. Also, not registered. Dom Bradley. Derek White is actually going 97, I learned. Yes. Really? The he's cowboy, registered, he's the, registered 25. The anti-cowboy wow. bulk job. De- I, debulked. I debulked. He got debulked. <laughs> to be debulked. He's Man. going 97? Yeah, it's 213. He looked like a biggin. He was. Listen. He's been debulked. <laughs> Oklahoma State can get you in either direction. They can get you big. <laughs> they can get you small. Where do you need to be? Downey debunks, White debulks. That's yes. correct. Okay, so that's a quick. Uh, we'll maybe have some more flesh. What? Out. Ninety-seven. Feral. You also got two scoops of Neville's in that bracket, which two scoops. <laughs> you know, that's plenty. Okay, let's. Uh, questions from friends. Yeah. You say okay. Let's do it. Um, well, where do I start here? Oh, a lot. Of, yeah, Eric going to wrestle unattached at Journeyman. Don't register. Typically, wrestle unattached opens. This is like some weird way that you can get around of having like too many 
He match. also is not redshirting because he wrestled fully attached for yeah, them at the Iowa City Bulls. But if he wrestles unattached, it's like this easy loophole where yeah. you can get an extra event. So I think yeah. that's what was going on there. Um, okay. Is it too early to call the, the switch Nick Lee hit to start the year in the second period against Navy the switch of the year? Can we get Nomad to give us a breakdown on his technique? Phenomenal. Tristan Moran hit one this weekend. I think Freeman might have hit one. There was one in the Michigan match. I can't remember. Wow. Big weekend for switches. I, I was three. Yeah, ecstatic. Three switches. That that was just what we saw. Where I'm you sure don't see it is the switch off the whistle is 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 not as common anymore. And that 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 is the true switch. Is the That's area the switch? That is the area for opportunity. <laughs> that that is explosive growth. That is where the private equity people are pouring their money. Wow! <laughs> is the switch, switch off the whistle? <laughs> yeah, no one's hitting switch off left hand over right it's hand. The, turn the turn the hand, put it on the mat. Yeah. yeah. Okay. When will we see David Taylor on a wrestling mat? I'm glad they clarified a wrestling mat. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe he goes to Oregon. Maybe he wrestles before then. He What's, has to. He has to wrestle before Olympic trials by law. Just. Yeah. Think about. How like? Oh, I think he will. I think it's. I think he, right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They need to get him on that Pan Am team. Just imagine getting in a lace situation and not knowing how your knee is. Yeah, yeah. That's right. scary. Bo Nickel going to MMA in twenty twenty, which we've off talked about. Um, but he signed with uh, John Jones' agent or management company, whatever that is. Um, and the question is from FRL fact checker Pops Redfoot, who. Pops Redfoot, <laughs> you totally set us up last time with the fake news. Uh, with UFC in Moscow and success of Khabib and other Russian fighters, you think Russia will start losing wrestlers to MMA? You would think, right? Now, the, now the, what I wonder is wrestling is state-sponsored. Yeah, the government is. says wrestle, right? Make the wrestling team, mm. win World and Olympic titles. That's not really the case, as I understand. They don't have, like... There, there is no Russian championship for MMA. There are just Russians who win, and Khabib's like the best in the world right now. But you would think those that are seeking opportunity, they're going to be the, – these guys could definitely do, make the transition and be awesome. There is a preponderance of uh, combat sport talent in Russia generally and Dagestan specifically sure. mm-hmm. as well as Ossetia. I think MMA – and grappling. I mean, we see. Think about how many guys leave Russia to wrestle for other countries, mm-hmm. right? And that—that's you know their form of making money, right? Because mm-hmm. it's okay. Well, now I can make a team, and now I can medal, right? We just saw Musakai have medal this year. So, in that vein, I think there is more than enough high-quality wrestlers to think that okay, I'll throw some punches in. So I think yeah, absolutely, Russia will start gaining MMA guys and grappling guys very soon. Yeah, it, it would it would make sense to me as well. All right, I feel like David's gonna have a funny answer on this one. I don't know. Maybe Nomad has weird experience here. But what is the weirdest thing you've seen someone eat or drink after weigh-ins? Man, I remember we, uh, one year in high school. We did like not very often do we get to do the multiple day trip where you got to you know. But we did one year. Uh, I can't remember where we went, but um, our coach took us out to breakfast after weigh-ins because we had a couple hours or something. And uh, we had a, a the weight was two fifteen back then. We had a two fifteen pounder, yeah, baby. and he's like, you know, you can see the wheel turning in his mind. Like, wait, you're telling me breakfast is on your dime? And so he he orders the like whatever skillet thing at the restaurant that has like 
the biscuits, the eggs, the sausage, the whole thing. And then it's like smothered in gravy. Oh, like man. the entire thing is just, it's like a, it just, it looks like a stomach contents scene from uh, like, you know, CSI or something. Um, but like large amount of stomach contents. So he ordered like the stomach content special, yes. wolfed it down and then um, wrestled very poorly. Yeah. So <laughs> as a result, he literally <laughs> fell asleep between the second and third period so, when he had choice. That might, that might be, I don't know. That, That's up there. Just the big breakfast is Yeah, is the heavyweights, the bigger guys, they're gonna, yeah, they're not recovering. What about, I, I don't feel like Nomad would eat or drink something odd yourself after. I don't have a lot of weird. Were you a, were you a pickle juice guy? <laughs> no, I was like uh, peanut butter and jelly. Okay. Well, Just dude, kind of standard. I, so mainstream of you. Yeah. The thing, the things great. I thought were like, like acceptable to eat after weigh-ins, especially in like middle school. Like my my mom would pack a can of like cheese whiz and like a and like there a box go. of Ritz crackers. <laughs> <laughs> like sitting in the stands. <laughs> Putting the cheese on the on the cracker and man, that's what I want right now. Yeah, that sounds delicious. Yeah, yeah. I don't. High I, performance. I can't really food. remember a lot of. I mean, just like seeing. I don't know. Anytime you see a kid eat like Sour Patch Kids or something, it's like, <laughs> what are you doing? Yeah. Little poison in your body. Yeah. Um. If you're Max Marion, do you transfer out of Iowa? Too many studs around us waiting in that room. Will he ever start again? No way. How many times do you get? I've gotten this question, even before Ironman transferred. Maybe a dozen times, then probably another two or three dozen since it's, he transferred. It's no different than, you know, guys staying anywhere, right? Yeah. You, you go because Max Mirren goes to Iowa because he thinks he can be reach his absolute potential there. It's like it's like the Shakur thing we talked about, I think, on the last show. Like, yeah, they stuck around. It's like, this is where I can win a national title. If I want to win a national title, I need to stay here. It's same for, for Max. And yeah. There's other guys that are going to be – they're going to have other good guys on the bench. Mm. You know, Nelson Brands. It's not going to start, right? Yeah. They're going to have, um, oh, what's his name, Glazier. You know, that someone's really good. He's going to have a hard time breaking in the breaking in the lineup. Vince Turk was a ranked dude that's not going to likely start. It's simply qualifier at one point. Yeah. When guys ask questions like this, it just like it just makes me want to leave the show. <laughs> oh wow, guys, <laughs> he's out. I can't oh yeah, even do it. he's got to go. I can't even do it. Question <laughs> like this. Ray actually has a meeting at nine thirty. I got to go. This question. All right, he's out. Um, I forgot. Bray had a hard 930 <laughs> stop, and that, that question was the last straw for him. Okay. Now, I will say this. I have absolutely no inside information that Max Muren will transfer. I don't think he's planning on transferring. I think Max Muren is going to stay and try to be the starter for University of Iowa. However, an interesting landing spot. Oh, wow. Now we're already indulging it. University of Pittsburgh. Yeah. It's near home. He could go up to 49. Does he want to go 49? I don't know, I'm just saying. Got it. So I don't think he's going to leave, but that option was posed to me as opposed to just like, yeah. do you think he's going to transfer? Yeah, I so. think he stays. Um, so that's that. The Ohio State-Stanford duel was first. In my memory, when Flo was commentating with someone from the Big Ten, how did that come about? Um, thank you. He said, I prefer Flo staff over others. Well, we love to do it. Um but it's their broadcast, right? So we're just guests if they happen to. Uh, how did it come about? I asked Jay Jaggers who I would need to talk to, and he he uh, he helped me out. So thank you to Coach Jaggers for doing that. And I have done it before. Yep. Um, last year, it was myself and one Ben Askren mm-hmm. on the call for the Wisconsin-Buffalo duel. So it's happened twice now with me. Um, so I'm thankful to do that, and we're happy to do it whenever, whenever we're able to. That guy... 
also had a voice for radio. Oh, yeah. Wait, he also... That guy had an announcer's voice. Here's the thing. Here's here's the difference. I loved it. This is the, this is the difference. I'm just talking to him. He's like a normal guy. Then he starts going, and it was like he flipped a, a commentator switch in his mind, and he sounded completely... I'm like, whoa, who is this? <laughs> whoa! He just completely, like, changed up, like... Uh, I'm not. I'm not the voice change guy. Just kind of, I just talk how I talk. And you just kind of take it or leave it. Um, Nomad switch, which the switching of predictions is perfect for this handle. Yep. But what preseason predictions are you already walking back or switching? Well, first of all, uh, we're walking back. So I somewhat stand by this one because I had no idea what to make of 133 in the preseason. But now seeing Josh Kramer get four ranked wins in in one weekend, I'm going to walk back that Julian Klebo is going to be an All-American because I don't think he's going to wrestle this year. I think he's going to redshirt. That's a negatory. Yeah, exactly right. You know, walk that back. I wish I knew all my predictions too. I'm sure there's plenty to walk back. I'm sticking with Gross. I think all the people I think are going to win, I still think they're going to win. Um, I'm walking back Mason Paris not placing. Yeah. Which was purely just uh, hatred. Wait, <laughs> yeah, right. Hatred of, yeah. Which is purely just a wait and see uh, thing that I sometimes get burned with. But well, I still, I, st- I still stand by it. I watched him generally. win Junior Worlds. Really I watched easily. him win Junior <laughs> win Junior Worlds too. That was it for me. And uh, yeah, he looks he looks fantastic. Uh, okay, top dark horse dark horse Hodge finalists. This guy goes Kassar, Sasso. That's that CP talk. Sasso, I think, is uh, he would be a definite dark horse in that it's it's unlikely a freshman would get it. Um, did not get bonus points against Raquel Vandermeer. One one takedown match. I don't even know if Kassar is a dark horse. I think he sure as heck isn't a dark horse in my world. Coming into this year, he was like, all right, what are the four Hodge finalists? I think it was Gross Heat. I think Kassar, maybe the the third guy I mentioned. He has a high bonus rate, like. Him pinning people is not new to this year. He's going to continue to pin guys. High bonus rate and in, in a field where we thought he was the favorite. Right. So I absolutely thought Kassar was um, Kassar was a, a Hodge finals contender. As far as dark horse, yeah, you're looking at um, you're looking at Spencer's not a dark horse Sasso. either. Obviously, he's. Yeah. I think I think the four Hodge finalists, if I had to guess, are going to be Gross Spencer. Sahid and Kassar. Pick a Penn State guy, yeah. Pick a Penn State guy, right? Um, you know, Mark, it'll be tough. Chinzo would really – Chinzo is in such a tough weight. There's so many guys that are just going to be very difficult for him to bonus, right? Whereas I could see Kassar hanging bonus points on a lot of the heavyweights. I just oh, – man, just look at 165. Like Shane Griffith, he's not bonusing that guy. He's not going to bonus – Marinelli, I don't think, or Wick or McFadden. These are, you know, he can, he's contractually obligated to beat Isaiah White by one point. They have to wrestle, and it has to be a one-point match. Yeah, or those a, are the or rules. Two-point overtime match. Two-point overtime it's, is the one write-out they have in that contract. So there's, you know, five or six guys that I just don't think he's gonna probably bonus. As far as a dark horse, so when I did my initial list, I did a dozen guys and. Gable for right now is out until he wrestles. But a guy who I had as I think number eleven or twelve, Sebastian Rivera. And I also want to talk about this because Thick Sebastian guys. Rivera may stay up at one thirty three. So That's what? on the table. Okay. All right. We said this. When he put out his Instagram post, we're like, oh, 
He's going up. Okay. And he's like, that's not what I said. That's no, I'm going 25. I'm just saying I like it. You guys misinterpreted <laughs> that. Well, I feel like we interpreted it perfectly because you're at 133 and you might stay there. This is a this is a situation I believe that happens to us a lot, which is the information we received at the time was correct that he was not going to go up, and now. I well, believe you make it is more. Information I know. Information we received. Hold on. Don't say information we received. The words uh, sure, Sebastian sure. Rivera said to us. Sure. It's not information. It's not like, ooh, I heard a Northwestern insider. No. The, the, the guy, insider's name is Sebastian Rivera. He said he's staying at 25. Yeah. Now he's at 33. I think. I don't know. What do you think, no, man? Because I just. I love the thought of him wrestling DeSanto and RBY and Gross. Oh, my gosh. DeSanto Rivera. Right? Ugh. But there's also this guy beat Spencer Lee twice, mm-hmm. but then lost to Jack Mueller. I don't. He's got unfinished business at 25. So I don't know. Either way, either way. But I think I'm leaning all in on Thick Bass. Thick Bass. Okay. So here's here's my thoughts. I would imagine right now he looks at both weights and thinks he can probably win them both. Right. Yeah. Well. Yeah. That's just Sebastian's. But mentality. also, if you go nine layers deeper and you actually are, like, realistic, too. It's actually realistic. Like, and especially Seth Gross showing a little vulnerability, I guess you could say. And the weight is not as deep. And, you know, why cut the extra weight if you don't really want to? Uh, he very much feels he is going to beat Seth Gross. Maybe he will. I mean, he's beaten Spencer Lee twice, which is about all you need to say. Yeah. Um, so... I, I think he's definitely um, in the mix there now. So if you want a dark horse, that's it. Now he has yeah, to run the table he and bonus and, enough. Phew, I don't know. He did. He bonus I mean, that's enough why he's for a me. dark horse. You know, he's a dark horse. Yes. I mean, you're looking for someone who coming into the year. I mean, yeah. If you say Spencer Lee's not dark horse, right? Here, here's what. Here's the other thing where I think he would get in. Um, well, number one, he would get if he ran the table one thirty three. He should be in just because that would mean he beat another similar Hodge contender or outplaced him. But also, dude, there are years where there's only three undefeated guys. And you go, well, these are... Are there? Yeah. The year the year Metcalf won. Well, yeah, I know. I know not. Yeah. The, the year Metcalf won, I'm pretty sure Gavin was the only undefeated yes. guy. Yes. He was the only one of all the finalists. I wonder who all the finalists were that year. That'd be, but, yeah, because Metcalf won... And he was the only other uh, undefeated guy, which is interesting. So yeah, I think maybe you're right. I think for the dark horses, that's that's the path to it. Is there's no undefeated at 49. There's no undefeated at 57. You know, Marinelli and Chenzo pick each other off. You know, maybe Kassar and Gable split, and so then it's narrow in the field. Yep, good point. Good point there. Uh, we talked about Klebov. He beat four ranked guys and then lost to Sammy Alvarez. Kramer. Kramer. Yeah, Klebov. Redshirting probably because Josh Kramer is legit. Uh, what's up with Teamer this year versus last year? I don't know. I didn't like what I saw even before the injury, after the injury. Was, uh, I don't know, man. I don't think that guy was going to beat Kendall Coleman. I don't know how serious the injury is. Maybe he'll be out for an extended period of time and try to get a medical redshirt. I don't know. Um, but with Maruka, the question was Mar- with Maruka and Teamer struggling, could we see Teamer drop to where he's successful last year? I don't think so. I think they're going to go all in on this team and say, hey, it's yeah. November and let's get better. And, but development has been, you know, hit and miss with some of these guys at Arizona State, right? Zahid Valencia is the best guy in the country. 
And then there's other guys you thought would have better careers, and it just hadn't really materialized. Maruka definitely had a tough weekend, and it could, it gets back to something that we hammered in the preseason, which is this trophy hunters group, right? Which I don't think I ended up doing an article this week, but I will next week. Um, that they're they have these couple guys, right? You know, Wisconsin is gross. There's mm-hmm. state has a heed, but there's all of this room for guys who like a Maruka to have a terrible weekend, but then maybe could he still place at the end of the year? Mm-hmm. Like it's that, that's just, that is going to be the persistent story this year with 10 teams. And yeah. it's no different for Arizona state and with all those other guys. I don't know if this is a setup. This guy might be trolling me, but I'm going to ask the question because I know not every listener has been following the sport for even 10 years, right? If you're in high school mm-hmm. now or in college, you weren't watching Iowa at this point in time. But starting a duel at 125, which four are you guys taking? Lee, Teasdale, DeSanto, and Ironman, or McDonough, Dennis, Marion, and Metcalf? Guys, Alex Caldwell, one, two, three. This is McDonough, Dennis, Marion, Metcalf wins that by, I'm not sure how much, but it's a lot and it's not close at all. McDonough Lee is obviously the, that's a crazy one, right? That's the one I'm not sure, but I feel like Dennis would definitely win the 133. Montel Marion is one of the best guys to never win a title. And if you look at all the guys that guy had beaten in in matches in like the era of 141 he was wrestling, and that guy was crazy, crazy good. Unbelievable. And then Metcalf. I mean, I don't think I need to explain why Metcalf would beat Jaden Ironman, so I'm not. The, but uh, he definitely would. There is always – and we ourselves do it here at Flow, me and him. There's always uh, recency bias that sometimes we fall prey to, but this reminds me of when we did the uh, 2005 Oklahoma State versus 2017 Penn State thing. Oh, man. And we got it's in trouble just, for that. Yeah, it's just, look. Somehow everyone was mad at us. Yeah. Oklahoma State was mad. Penn State was mad. Everyone was mad. Yeah. But, yeah, guys, wrestling is getting better and all these things, but they're still – teams you go back that would beat the snot out of even great guys today and this is i don't know if they beat snot out of them but yeah give me mcdonough dennis mary metcalf yeah that's a, that that first four is is going head up against a lot of teams like in the history of the sport yeah I, you know with me and cp are gonna butt heads on a lot of things you're not getting us to bite on uh no. on those guys losing nice try um okay how come Sno- – this is little Jerry Seinfeld. He always asks funny questions. How come smoke detector, smoke detector batteries only die between 2 and 4 a.m.? That is a great question. I have no idea. That happened to me at the scuffle last year. It's all of a sudden, the in the hotel. I was not there at the scuffle last year. I did no. not hear this story. No, it was just myself and my son Caleb who sleeps through anything. The guy had to come in. It was funny. A guy had to come in the room and, like, change it or do something to it. Caleb never even woke up. I don't know why it happens. I think fake. smoke detector batteries oh, this could be good. are on uh, Greenwich Mean Time, and so therefore it's the morning time uh-huh. in uh, Britain, and so like the actual morning where people are awake morning and eating breakfast, not asleep morning time. So that, that's what I'm going to go with, okay. that it is a constructor's issue. It's GMT, GMT batteries. All right, well, let's get the heck out of here. 942, deep in the heart of Texas. Um, We will be back 
tomorrow. Yes. That's a guarantee. We will have a hard 9.30 stop. Oh, yeah. We're doing some... Yeah, tell them about it, Nomad. Bader, uh, so as you guys, I'm sure, have seen, Bader's been doing uh, block parties and uh, kind of, you know, expanding our, our offerings in terms of bringing back to light the terabytes of archives that we have. Wow. And so we're going to... <laughs> yeah. So we're going to replay some stuff from the past weekend, and we're just you're just going to see a larger offering of kind of live content in, uh, since it's running on the site of... Uh, stuff that ran from the previous weekend. So it'll be, I think, the couple duels from this weekend, maybe journeyman finals, but kind of uh, looking back at, at, at the weekend. Cool. So this could be great. We're excited for that. Thank you guys for tuning in. 426 strong. We'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Lots of content coming out. Uh, updated rankings. Yeah. Check yeah. those out. Yeah. Check it all out. Thanks, guys. See ya.